Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought from Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm Claire Navarro. So far in our ongoing series on religion and politics, we've focused on the United States. This week, instead, we go across the world and back in time to take a look at politics and religion in the medieval Middle East. Our guide is Hayratin Ujisoy. My name is Hayratin Ujisoy. I am originally from Turkey, and uh, I did my PhD here in the States at the University of Chicago. Here at Washington University in St. Louis, Ujisoy's research and teaching focuses on religion and politics of the 9th and 10th centuries. Today, it's somewhat commonly believed that in Islamic parts of the world, religion and politics overlap much more than in places like Europe or the U.S. The real historical picture is much more complicated, as we'll hear. But according to Ujisoy, this misconception goes back more than 100 years. In the 19th century onwards, until approximately today, although the field is much more diverse today, European scholars of the Middle East, especially the medieval Middle East, believed that in quote-unquote Islamic history, religion and politics were together. This was in contrast to European history, in which religion and politics were thought to each have had their own separate tracks. But remember, these were 19th century Europeans trying to envision and understand the medieval Islamic world. If these scholars had been able to get into a time machine, they would have encountered something much less straightforward. When you look at history itself, you have a very diverse experience across the geography of the Middle East and in the span of approximately 1400 years. Across this wide expanse of time, there were many opinions and interpretations about the correct role of religion in the political sphere. In the 9th century, one group even believed that there should be no government at all. We have a substantial group of intellectuals in the capital of the empire who advocated that human beings, Muslims, the community in itself did not need any type of political structures. So this is really in a stark contrast to the view that there was no separation in Islam between politics and religion. If this group sounds like they were anarchists, that's because, well, they were. Just not the type of anarchists you might picture in the 21st century. These Muslim anarchists lived during the Abbasid Caliphate. A caliphate is the form of political leadership at this time, which centered on a leader called a caliph. The time we're discussing included a civil war and struggles over power, which led at least some people, like these anarchists, to believe that there should be no political leader. And these were not low-profile people making these claims. These are educated individuals. These are elite of the empire. And every single one of them that I have studied had really financial means. You know, they were not marginal groups in terms of their social status. This group's beliefs were not mainstream at the time, but the fact that devout, intellectual Muslims expressed these opinions in 9th century Baghdad, the center of the empire, shows that politics and religion did not always neatly fit together. And the same conclusion can be drawn even if you look at more typical political thinking of the time. Even those people 
who argued that no, political authority was necessary, that the community cannot survive without a political authority. They always formulated their ideologies based on the reality in which they lived. There were several groups of thought here. One group thought politics should have a secular approach and picked up ideas from Byzantine and Roman, as well as Alexandrian and Persian politics. Another group preferred the ancient Greek philosophical approach. They looked to Plato and Aristotle. However, many people also believed that because the prophet Muhammad was both a political and a religious leader, these two roles should go together. In particular, some of the caliphs themselves felt this way. After the establishment of the caliphate in 632, up until the middle of the 9th century, there was really a huge struggle between the caliphs and the community and the representatives, quote-unquote, of the community at the time on exactly who had religious authority. Because caliphs were not the only religious authority at the time. Religious scholars thought of themselves as the appropriate interpreters of religion and scripture. This caused conflict with the caliphs. This competition between religious scholars and the caliphs continued until approximately the beginning of the ninth century and came to a really terrible incident that we know as Inquisition. Under one of the, those caliphs, against whom the Muslim anarchists also were reacting, he decided that he was going to enforce his theological views on religious scholars. But ultimately, after approximately half a century of competition, the caliphate failed. And today, scholars think that after that incident, in which the caliphs really failed to impose their theological doctrine, the caliphs removed themselves from theological claims. And then the two powers separated. Religious authority became really almost, almost totally a privilege of religious scholars, where politics had to be respectful and responding to religious scholars for legitimacy. In general, historians don't like to draw conclusions about the present based on their studies of the past. But Yudisoy believes that it's important for people to understand that throughout the centuries, the relationship between Islam and politics has been nuanced and complex. Because what is happening today is most of the time, especially in public media, is that the primary or maybe even actually the only marker of identity for that part of the world is really religion. Because of this, when modern-day groups like ISIS claim to be reviving the caliphate, people might not understand that this is really a modern phenomenon, not an extension of how things used to be. When you look at this ISIS movement, it relates to really 19th century, 20th century developments rather than medieval practice. In other words, instead of reflecting historical reality, these groups look more like 19th century European versions of Islamic politics and religion, versions that were in some ways caricatures of the real story. They have claims that bring really to life the most scary claims of Orientalism, 
because you know 19th century orientalism really claimed no separation between you know state and religion claimed about you know medieval backwardness claimed about peculiarity of muslim culture more recent scholarship shows that the middle east under the caliphates in fact had a lot in common with other empires of the era the types of issues and questions and complexities that come up when studying this part of the world are much the same types of issues that come up when studying any other medieval political system. Through his research, Yujisoy brings these similarities to light. The research that I am doing is trying to nuance this broad generalization by providing intellectual and historical examples. This subject requires more research to have a better understanding of what this medieval people in general were doing. Many thanks to Hyratin Yujisoy for contributing to Hold That Thought. For many more ideas to explore, including more from our series on religion and politics, please visit holdthatthought.wustl.edu. You can also find Hold That Thought on Facebook and Twitter, or follow our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or PRX.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>